Sometimes we don't make it clear in, in either the first or second service, but those response cards, when we receive our offering, you can put those response cards in the, in the offering plates as we try to have two-way communication. If you've got concerns or needs or questions as well as prayer requests, be sure to put that on the card as well. Uh, last week was a, was a really full week in a number of different ways. And one of the things on uh, this last Saturday, as uh, we had men's breakfast, a number of us went down to the Vista area and had were uh, participating in the memorial service for Kelly, uh, Lori's uh, sister. And I had an opportunity to go down with an officer of the law. We went down together in, in, a, in, a, um, in a great time, uh, going there and being there and then coming back. And as I was uh, traveling with him, and his name will remain anonymous unless I get inspired to say what his name is, um, but it reminded me of a story that I, th- I thought I'd share with you. And, and sometimes when we go through life, we really ask ourselves the question, well, how did this happen? Or why did this happen? And it reminded me of the story as I was traveling with him. A woman was driving her old beat-up car on the highway with her seven-year-old son, little Johnny. She tried to keep up with the traffic, but they were flying by her. After getting caught up in a large group of cars flying down the road, she looked at her speedometer to see she was doing 15 miles over the speed limit. Have you ever that experience? You just kind of get caught in the wave of traffic and look and go, man, I'm going pretty fast. Slowing down, she moved over to the side and got out of the out of the group of cars that soon left her behind. Then she looked up and saw the flashing lights of a police car. Pulling over, she waited for the officer to come up to her car. As he said, what they normally do, ma'am or mister, do you know why I pulled you over? Before she could say anything, little Johnny replied uh, from the back seat, I do because you couldn't catch the other cars. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering, why did they pull me over? Look at all those other people doing what they're doing. Well, as we think about life, we really do ask that question, how did this happen or why did this happen? And last Lord's Day, we looked at the beginning of our beginning series. And we looked at what, what God had to say about how this all started. And uh, at the men's breakfast yesterday, uh, Warren Williams made this comment, which I thought was so awesome. As you think about God, and hopefully you think about God all the time, not just on a, an occasion like this where you gather together and we sing songs about Him and and we, we pray and look in the scriptures. But I hope, hope you think about God all the time. Now, but he made this comment, and he said, no matter how big you think God is, and, and hopefully you have a big God. And then he made this comment, no matter how big you think God is, God is bigger. And as we think about this series, and we, we kind of shared that last week, as we try to draw you into a relationship with the living God, as we invite you to experience the life that God has offered to those who know Him, that we would do you a grand disservice as somehow we communicate to you that you can have a great relationship with a little God. In fact, if your God is small, you probably don't have a relationship with the true God. And this is so critical in terms of understanding how this all began, how it all started. Because we believe fully and completely that as we think about life as we see it and experience it, that God didn't somehow maybe start it, wound up the clock, and then just kind of put it on the shelf and did his own thing for the rest of time. That God began it all, has continued to be involved in it, and we can experience knowing the supreme being of this universe that has brought all things into existence. Uh, anytime I preach, a lot of times after I preach, I think, did I, really, did I really get it across? And I'm so tempted the next week, not because you weren't listening well, because I wasn't preaching well, to preach it all over again. As we looked at the beginning, one of the things I wanted to share with you at the start was that 
that as you think about this big book, it, it has a major theme. And the major theme is God's glory. We sang about that this morning. That God is bigger than the galaxies that we experience. He is holy, holy, holy. And really, that idea of holiness is, is not simply about His purity. It's that He's so much bigger than us. That He's, the theologians like to say, He's transcendent. We're down here and He's way up there. But as we think about God's glory, God's plan or rule, His kingdom... It was revealed, as we see this in, in the first book of this big book, book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, but then it was rejected, and then we see God's plan played out, it's going to be restored. But if we're really going to understand and experience God, we need to know about Him. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the first page, you probably have introductions and all that kind of that. But the first page of the very first book, Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to attempt to get through that chapter this morning. We're going to go back next Lord's Day and try to hit it up again a little bit, and particularly the, the, the latter part of it. But we want to we get a sense of what God has said about how it all began. If you have your outline this morning, uh, we've, uh, we've put it this way as far as the next days. We're going to look at the faith alternatives. We're going to look at the clarity of Genesis, and then we're going to look at the days of creation. And as we go through this series, I want you to understand, I want us to understand what God has said about how it all began. And then you have a choice to decide whether you believe it or think it's true. But so often we reject that which we don't even know about. And that is often true in terms of talking to people about, you know, where are they, are, where are they on their faith journey, and you ask them what they believe, not sure exactly how to communicate what they believe or don't believe. And if you ask them, well, why do you believe or not believe what you believe? They don't really know that as well. And, and that's kind of interesting. But it's also interesting in terms of people who say they do believe and are followers of Christ. Why do you believe what you believe? And so we're going to kind of seed that as we go through this. But this morning I want to do is I want to kind of give you an overview of some things that, that should be clear about at least what the Scripture says. And then we'll try to emphasize again why we believe that what it says is true. But as you think about life, there's only a couple faith alternatives. There's only a couple things you can believe in. You can either believe there is a God, or see how sharp you are this morning, or believe there what? Isn't a God. We use terms for that, atheism or theism. What is atheism? Atheism is believing there is no God and probably believing in what's called naturalism or evolution or uniformitarianism. You believe that random processes over extremely long periods of time have brought everything into existence. That's a person that looks at all that we see and experiences through our five senses and basically believe all this just happened. It always has been, always will be, and uh, what we experience is something that was just plopped into our existence. And there was no supreme being that was part of that. Now, there are different ways people will spin these things, but basically, you believe there is a God or there is not a God. If you're an atheist, it really is, it's the alpha uh, preposition to that. There is no God. Uh, or you believe there is a God, and that's theism. Theism basically believes this. You believe in a supreme being who created and sustains everything in the universe. And I want to emphasize this too. Not only did he put, put it into operation, he started, he created it, but he keeps it going. Have you ever had a car that started but didn't keep going? I mean, that's essential too. We want this thing to keep on going. Well, as we think about it, the clarity of Genesis is that it 
as it makes some statements, there's some logical uh, conclusions and observations we make from it. Last week we looked at the very first verse in the Bible, which is a very memorable uh, verse, or verse you can memorize very easily. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's say it together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And last week I, I tried to simply say, well, let's ask some questions of that very straightforward uh, passage. You know, who, what, when, where, why, how. That's the only question you can ask of anything. Well, in the beginning asks, answers the when question. When did it all start? In the beginning. But implied in that, there was someone or something before the beginning as we see it. The universe that we see started at a point in time, at least what the Bible says, but there had to be someone before that that got it all to, to start off. And so we see God before the beginning. So that, that's the when question that the scripture from the very beginning starts out with. It began in the beginning and there was someone before the beginning. And then it says in the beginning, God. It tells us the who. There is a supreme being that started this all off. Well, how did he get it going? He created. And that word bara in the Hebrew Bible really means created out of nothing. He didn't have to have a, a bunch of things just laying around in his room and say, I think I'll put together an earth and I'll put together an atmosphere and I'll put together stars in the heaven. He started it from scratch. There was nothing, nothing there. And then we say, well, what is it that he created? He created the heavens and the earth. And as we look at it this morning, we're going to see how that is laid out in Scripture. As we look at one reason why we would believe in a supreme being getting it all started is looking at not only faith alternatives, but uh, the, the question of origins. If you believe there is no God, then you're believing that basically nobody plus nothing, resulted in everything. But if you believe there is a God related to the origin, you believe that there was someone who made everything, and then we see all his handiwork displayed in front of us. Well, let's look at the implications from that very first verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. First of all, it rejects atheism because the universe was created by God, and we've talked about that over and over again already. Secondly, it rejects pantheism for God is transcendent in that which he created. Let me explain that a little bit. Pantheism basically says that everything is God. And there are people who religiously believe that. And they, they see that um, every animal, every plant, every whatever is part of God. We're all part of this, this supreme existence. And we're all gods together. But the Bible very plainly says, no, um, that God was above that which was made. Thirdly, it rejects polytheism, for one God created all things. Some people don't say everything is God, but they say there are multiple gods, and that there are a lot of different gods that we can create. And as you go to certain places in the world, part of their economic problems is beyond uh, a, a political corruption, it's a religious corruption. Because if you believe that cow is God, you're not going to do what with that cow? You're not going to eat it, right? And your people can starve even though you have all kinds of food around you. Uh, God created things for the benefit of those he created. It rejects material, materialism for matter had a beginning. Uh, that we don't believe this was all around floating in the universe and then form was put into it. That the God created the matter as well as the, the design. It rejects dualism because God alone 
uh, was, God was alone when he created. Uh, there are those who, uh, who make uh, certain types of movies, you know, Star Wars, uh, in that there is the, uh, there's the force, okay, and there's a good force, and then there's a what? Evil force, okay? There is one God, supreme being over this universe. Uh, it rejects humanism because God, not man, is the ultimate reality. And, and that is a clear focus there, is that God is the, is the one that needs to be worshipped and not ourselves. Well, what I want to do this morning is look at the days of creation. Uh, since I was, I, I probably first started, I had an opportunity to be blessed by God to grow up in the church. I remember going to Sunday school as a child and hearing all the stories and and I'm sure we went through Genesis quite a few times. And then I started reading the Bible on my own when I got to junior high. And since then, I've read it constantly from that period of time when I first began to read it on my own. But I mean, remember reading some passages of Scripture that I read over and over and over again, and it just didn't make sense. I, I, I couldn't seem to put the pieces together in a way that just made it simple and clear. And so what I want to do today is, is this go through the days of creation, and maybe this is all easy for you as you read through it, but I, I want to put it in simple ways to look at it. And, and then we'll look at one reason why I believe it happened in a very, very short period of time, as seems to be indicated by the text itself. But let's first of all just see the flow of Genesis chapter 1. Day 1, Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So as we begin, as God started that point when he brought things into existence, uh, he, he, with a word, brought it into existence. And we find that from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. With a word, all things were brought into, into existence. And, and when he brought it into existence, things on earth were, as the Bible says, formless and void. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean it was evil. It doesn't mean it was defective. It just simply means it was incomplete. It was incomplete and it was uninhabited. And also there was darkness everywhere. Light is not eternal as well other than God being light. So as he brought things into existence, it was first of all made not defective, but without form and void. It needed more form, and it needed to be filled. In fact, those two key words we're going to be using later on in terms of kind of seeing a, a pattern in what he did. And he continued to be involved with it. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So even when he made space, time, and a mass and brought it into existence, he continued, he hovered over that which he had made. And then it says the first thing he did in, in adding to his creation. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So how, how did this all start? It started as God outlined for us, recorded for us in the page of Scripture, how he put this into, into play. At a point in time, which we call it beginning, which really was the beginning of time as we know it, God, with a word, brought space, mass, and time into existence. And when he did it, he focused on the earth. And when he created the earth, initially the earth was, was without full form and not filled up. And also there was darkness everywhere. 
And on that first day, the first thing he did was create light, and then he separated the light from darkness. And when that happened, he began to spin this little planet that we're, we're inhabiting, and he put it in a, in a cycle, a 24-hour cycle, and the light that he created supernaturally uh, gave light on one side of that planet that we live on, and there was darkness on the other, and as it revolved, there was a separation between light and darkness. And then it happened in a very short period of time. And as we think about light, light is interesting. I remember uh, taking physics in high school, and, and physics was not my favorite subject in high school, but I remember this one thing, particularly from physics. In physics, uh, they talked about light, and they said, we, it's harder to find light because light sometimes looks like particles and sometimes looks like waves. And, and then we go on and on and talk. We do an experiment where light would look like waves, and sometimes it would look like particles. The one thing we don't know about light is that God created light. And we also know about God that God is light. In Him there's no darkness at all. So probably that first expression of light was an intrinsic light that was not given from a, a physical light-bearing entity like we're going to see on the fourth day. But God brought light into this universe and shone it on this planet and separated the darkness from that which He created light. Day one. And then it goes on to day two. And let me put it this way. Remember we talked about that as he created this earth, it was formless without, and it was void. What we're going to see in the first three days is God brings form to this planet called the earth. And in the next three days, so one, two, and three, he forms it. And then days uh, four, five, and six, he fills it. And on the seventh day, God rests. Some of you have read ahead. You've already read that, okay? God rests on the seventh day. And it wasn't because he was tired, but that his job was done in terms of creating. Now, his job is not done in terms of sustaining, but he creates it and then he rests. And he really threw that in for our sake because he wanted us to understand that when we do our work and our work is done in a week, then we need to rest. So the first day he begins forming that which he has brought into existence, and he brings light into this planet by a supernatural way. Day number two, beginning with verse six. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Now, I remember reading my Bible, and there's a couple portions where I began to read when I was a junior higher, and I would read, and i go, man, I'm getting this, I'm getting this. And I hit the verse, and go, what in the world are you talking about here? You know, what do you mean you created a firmament? And it made no sense to me. I read some translations. Some of you might even have a word translated there, expanse. He had an expanse there. Really, the word in the Hebrew really has the idea of thinness, but it really... Most people, as they look at this in terms of linguistics, they say it's really, you could translate that word space. And what we have in the first two or three days is God begins to divide things or to separate them, to put them in again into a form that is livable. And so what God does here is that he creates space or he makes space to separate that which he has made. Then God said, let there be a space, a firmament or expanse, but I think it's, it's best understood by the word space. Let there be a space in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament or space and to divide the waters which were under the space from the waters which were above the space or firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament or space what? Heaven. And 
it was the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, we kind of relate to space as that which is not um, a physical mass that you can touch, that you can uh, maybe uh, you know feel particularly in a concrete way. It, it's like if we're if we're in the on a ground and we're looking up into the sky, we would say you know there is a space between the ground and maybe something that's in the sky. Now, we more regularly use the word space as far as when someone takes a rocket ship and goes out into what kind of space? Outer space. What he's simply saying here is, is as you look at this, this planet, which we call Earth, which the Bible calls Earth, is that originally when God made it, it was covered with water. But not only was it covered with water, what we call the atmosphere, it was filled with very high humidity, in the words that we would use. There was, there was water kind of surrounding the waters on the earth. And God, as he decides to finish out his creation, to make it livable, and that's what he does when he puts form together in the first three days. He separates the waters that cover this planet from the waters that is in the atmosphere, and he creates space. Now, what it appears that what he did is he, that he moved these waters beyond what's our, what's which is considered our atmosphere, and there's a kind of a water canopy around our what we would know as the atmosphere. And we see later on that the flood, the, the rain it had never rained until Noah's day. And so there was a canopy around this, this planet, which we call Earth. If you've read the book of Genesis early, you figure out, how do these people live so long? I mean, we were amazed, and I did the service for uh, Pauline Whitney this, this past uh, Monday, and if, the, if she had lived just a few more weeks almost, she would have had her 75th anniversary with Buford. And we think, man, they were married 75 years. Man, that, that would have been like a honeymoon for the people in the, in the first part of Genesis. I mean, they lived long periods of time. Well, the reason, because this, this canopy that surrounded the planet uh, preserved life in such a, amazing ways that people didn't age quite as quickly. So as God began this, he began, first of all, by creating this planet, Earth. It was incomplete, uninhabited, so he began to form it and, and fill it. First of all, he created light, and he turned around to separate the light from the darkness. The second day, what he did, he said, I, I need to get some space here to separate so it's much more livable. The waters that surround the planet, I separate it. Um, and that firm is called heaven. And when we look in the heavens, we think of things above us. And it was a space. He said, I'm separating the waters that are on the planet and the waters that were surrounding the planet. And there's going to be an atmosphere in between. That was day two. I guess in your outline, I guess the outline is putting it up there. On day two, he's, he, space is formed to separate the waters so the earth is in handle. Our atmosphere is formed. Day three. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry, dry land appear. So originally this planet was just filled with water. It doesn't mean there wasn't a ground underneath it, but that was, it, was, it was covered with water. He says, now I need to surface up the dry land. And see, again, you see the separation. Separation from darkness and light, separation from waters from waters, and now from dry land from waters. 
reading that again. Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to the kind whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. Now again, the emphasis throughout this record of how everything came into existence and that when God made it, he called it what? Good. Now, we often try to think, well, how... uh, how do, we, how do we understand having this in such a short period of time? And we're going to talk about later on in the series why I believe that each one of these days is a 24-hour period of time. But as, as we think about this, one of the things as we look at God's creation here, he, he created the, the plant life on this third day. Now, it, it's probably more commonly asked as we get to animal life, but... If you, thought, if you think about when God brought plant life here to this, this world, you could ask yourself, what came first, you know, the acorn or the tree? Well, the answer here is the tree came first. That when, when the, God created plant life, he didn't just plant some seeds, you know, water them, and use that light that he had created in the first day to energize it, to pop up uh, life from the ground. I just tried to reseed my lawn 22 days ago, right? The whole long way, you know, put seed on there and fertilize it and cover it with topsoil and water it. So it never gets dry and hoping some of that stuff's going to pop up. I mean, it takes forever for that to happen. And when God didn't do it that way, when he brought plant life, it was plant life. And people wonder, well, I wonder if there were any rings on the tree. Have you ever thought about that? You know, they count the ages of trees or the rings. I really believe, you know, we don't know whether they're rings or not, but I know before you cut it, you looked at it, that tree did not look like it was, you know, one hour old or one second old. It looked like it had been there a long time. And as we think about how big our God is, let's just consider Jesus for a moment. When Jesus performed miracles, when he multiplied the, the loaves and the fish, fishes, yeah, how, how old did those fishes look after he created them? He didn't do them as guppies. Okay? They, they had an appearance of age, even though they had just been created. And, and when God created, and that's, that's the whole reason that a lot of people will struggle with, with looking at the age of the earth, because well, how, how, can the, how can the earth be this you know, shorter period of time. I mean, look at all the things that show age. When God put things into existence, it showed age because he didn't create it as a seed. He created full-blown. And we're going to look at that from a lot of different perspectives as we go through this series. So how did it all begin? Three straight days where God begins to, to put form to make this planet livable. And the reason he brought plant life into existence is because people needed something to eat. And I I struggle about when I would share this, but one of the things interesting about looking at existence from an evolutionary perspective is 
You know, some things in life, they can't happen over a long period of time. Because you need them, not later, you need them now. A number of the evolutionary models, they have the animal life forming before they have plant life. Well, what did they eat? You know, they all just eat amoebas? I mean, what, what, how did this all work? Uh, some of you who, you, who cook, you know, I don't cook, but I have had some attempts, but, uh, and I have eaten some things that people have cooked that, they, that something didn't happen, right? Have you ever had that experience? Where, where okay, making, you're making this cake, and you, you, it looks so good on the outside. Maybe they got frost, and whatever. You, you slice it, you put it on the plate, you cut into it, and all of a sudden, oh, man, somebody left something out. You know, they, they left, oh, man, I forgot to put the egg in it, you know. Or I, I put, oh, I forgot to put the sugar in it, or whatever it might be. Well, once the cake is made, you can't just put the egg back in it, can you? You can't shove the sugar in it. It doesn't work. It, it better be put in at the right time, or it doesn't make it happen. And the reason these things were done instantaneously is because life had to exist immediately. Everything was built on everything else. So God formed the planet to be livable in an extremely short period of time. I'm convinced in three 24-hour period of days. Then he goes on, and now he begins to fill it. I mean, plant life is going on, but now he begins to fill it with conscious, not only conscious life, but also filling it not only here on earth, but filling up into the heavens or the space above. Let's look at day four. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament or space of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And I was going to say just for free, but look, turn your Bibles to first, uh, Second Corinthians. This whole thing about heavens and space. You remember, you remember uh, Paul probably referring to himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, saying this about the various heavens. It is doubtless, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it is doubtless not, uh, not profitable for, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, and that probably was him, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into, into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Yeah, Paul says that I had, I had an experience with God. Man, it was, it was so amazing. I don't know if I was, I was actually there. God just beamed me up or whether it was a vision or a dream. But I had experienced something that was so amazing. I was up in the third heaven. And you're thinking, the third heaven, what about... Heaven number one and heaven number two. Well, probably most logically, heaven number one is the atmosphere that we see around us. We see the birds flying in the, in the sky and, and other things as well. And we experience life as we breathe the air that gives us existence. But above the heaven, there is another heaven, the outer space. But above that outer space in the rest of the universe, there is the third heaven. And he identifies that as paradise, as heaven, the place in which God is fully manifested. And as we see this, God is putting all these things together and he's causing us to, be, to experience life on this particular planet in a way that is specifically designed for us to flourish and experience life to its, its completeness. Going back, verse 15 uh, in chapter 1. He, he talks about the, 
uh, putting the light bearers into the sky. In verse 15, And let them be for lights in the firmament or the space of the heavens to give light to the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So he made the sun and he made the, the moon. And these, basically, these are light bearers. He, some have said that the reason he doesn't call them sun and moon here is because what happened so quickly as man fell is they made the sun and the moon uh, elements of worship. We, people worship the sun, they worship the moon. And he said, no, they're just light bearers. The sun generates light and the moon reflects light. And he did it all for the purpose of this planet that is now being fulfilled might have sustained life. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give a light on the earth, to rule over the day and the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So again, we have God forming this world, days one, two, and three, and then he begins to fill it. He fills the universe with the sun and the moon and the stars. And then he puts particularly the sun and the moon for light upon this planet. Well, we'll go into more detail, but it's interesting. People will say, well, how, how can this world be so young if, if you try to measure light from distant stars and we're able to see it? Well, we can look at this in more detail later, but again, how big is your God? Uh, could God create light beams in transport? Of, co- of course he could. Some people don't like that explanation. They'll say, well, yeah, but how about the supernovas and it appear, you know, that God would be deceiving us that those things happened way in the past and now we're, we're seeing the reflection of something that happened eons of time before. Well, well there's some, some people a lot smarter than I have all kinds of theories how that could possibly be. God, if, if you don't create light beams in transit, it could be just a pulsating light where God has some blips in the whole scenario. It could be time dilation. There could be general relativity. There could be some uh, zones, time zones that God does differently. You could have even the speed of light and various surroundings being sped up. There's all kinds of ways that could happen. Uh, That's not a big thing for God, for God to transport light to the point where it happens just like that from distant places. So he fills up the universe with the stars and, and the sun and the moon. But then he begins to work here on this planet with, with animal life, and then eventually we get in on the scene. Uh, verse 20, uh, looking at the fifth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound in an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament, the space of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Uh, often I'm asked people, well, where are the dinosaurs coming? Uh, we'll, you know, Lord willing, talk a little bit more about that in the future as well. But that, that statement in verse 21, so God created great sea creatures. In some translations, uh, they'll even say great sea dragons or monsters. Well, what's interesting is if you look at um, the writings of people in all kinds of cultures, you, you have stories all the time about dragons, about great sea monsters that very much look at the description like we have of dinosaurs. And so if you're asking me, when did the dinosaurs come into existence? They came in existence in that, on that first creative week. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what happened to them later on. 
But God brought everything into, into existence during his creative plan. Verse 22, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So, so what do we have here? Again, day one, you have God creating space, mass, and time, and light being shined to divide the darkness and the light. You have day two, where, where God separates the waters, and we now have our atmosphere in which we experience light. On day three, he, he forms dry land on this planet that's filled with water, and we now have a plant life that allows life to be sustained. On day four, he, he fills the universe with the sun and the moon and the stars. Uh, and then on day five, he, he creates the birds, and he creates the fish and allows life to come to pass. And then we have day 6, verse 24. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And that whole phrase, and each according to its kind, that's used, I think, at least 10 times in the first chapter of uh, the book of Genesis, which again speaks about how God was going to fill this universe because they were going to multiply according to its own kind, which is a direct... Uh, conflict with how you look at it from an evolutionary perspective. And God made the beast of the earth uh, according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, um, I was with a group of people on Friday. You know what today is in culture, our culture? It's, uh, it's Earth Day, okay? Now, Earth Day historically has some kind of strange um, bedfellows, if you want to say, in terms of who, who kind of promoted that in terms of culturally. But if, if we're going to spiritualize uh, Earth Day from a Christian perspective... God, from the very beginning, said, hey, this planet that I have made for you, the planet, you were not made for that planet, but the planet was made for you. I want you to rule over it. I want you to be in charge of it. And so we, in the best way possible, ought to be people who are good stewards of this planet. Uh, I think it's been corrupted in a lot of different ways in terms of how people look at it. But God had gave us that as a responsibility. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And we're going to be looking at that probably next week as far as what's the significance of this whole uh, creation of, of people in his own image. And what does that mean? And then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God in a special, specific way, brought into existence people that would know him in a conscious way. And God said, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was how good? It was very good. And so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. 
How does God's word say it all began? Very simply. As he spoke it into existence, he created a planet which he later called Earth. And it, first of all, was not defective, but it was not complete. It needed to be formed and it needed to be filled. Some things he brought into existence that was not into existence, he brought in the raw materials. Some things he took that which was already into existence and formed them into that which he wanted made. It began with day one, bringing the planet into existence, and then having the lights created and separate darkness from light. And day two, we have God separating the waters on this earth and creating our atmosphere. Day three, we have plant life and dry land being formed. Day four, we have the, now the change where he fills the universe with the stars and the, the sun and the moon. And day four, Five, we have the birds and the fish are created. And then in day six, the animals and man are created. God wants us to know that he is a big God. That he is sovereign over everything. He who brought it into existence sustains it. And he has given us the responsibility to be uh, his hands and feet to take this planet, to, to have rule over it for His glory. In your life groups this week, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, in a different way, go from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation and see that this is God's plan that gets rejected in Genesis chapter 3 is going to be restored, and you're going to see the parallels of how God wanted to restore everything for His glory and for His rule. I want to leave us with this very simple challenge. Not only how big is your God, but how good is your God? When he brought anything to existence, he called it good, and when he brought us into existence, his statement is that it is very good. We can know a God that's immense, but also good. Let's pray. I pray as we reflect and as we go through this series of, of what, uh, what all began and the beginnings, not only of creation, but we're going to see everything else that is announced to us that had its start and recorded for us in this book. Father, we would pray that we might be a people that, that leave this series knowing how big our God is, how good our God is, and how much we need to depend upon Him. And maybe there's someone here this morning as they've come in, they're still on the outside looking in. And they've never come to that place in life where they've surrendered their life to the Creator God. Uh, Father, that's why Jesus came. So that we would not be left in the dark, but be brought into the light. And Father, we're brought in to experience you as we admit our need, as we put our faith, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we commit to follow Him. Help us to to be people who put our faith in the, the God that's big and good. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.